All right, Treya. All earthly things with earth will fade away, but prayer grasps eternity. And I'm convinced of this, God does not hear prayer. He hears desperate prayer. Prayer is not a position, whether you need. Prayer is not a position, it's a disposition. You get to the place where you'd rather sweat, you'd rather weep in his presence than laugh in anybody else's presence. You'd rather God whisper a secret into your heart that breaks you. Somebody give you the prizes that all the world covets. Prayer is almost the greatest human privilege that we have. Lord, some praise this morning. Come on, you can do better than that. It's 2019. Let's kick this thing off the right way. Give the Lord some praise today. Amen. We are so excited that you're here today. Excited to kick off 2019 with you. We just believe that God is going to do some amazing things in this year. Do you believe that, South Metro? We know that God is going to do it, and we know that if we come in believing that God is going to show up. And so, man, we're just excited to kick off this year with you guys. And uh, today, we're just excited to kick off a new series here uh, called, uh, where our focus is on prayer, where we're focusing on, on this, this prayer and fasting, this idea of prayer and fasting. And so today, we're going to kick this thing off. We're going to be talking about prayer and desperation. And so before we jump into the message today, I want to look into the cameras in the back of the room as we do every Sunday, and we want to welcome our Go Church family all the way up in the metro D.C. area. Go Church, we love you. We're so glad that you're a part of our family. Can we welcome Welcome Go Church this morning. Let them know how much we love them. Then all of our online guests today, th those that are watching or uh, maybe you're on vacation today, maybe you're sick at home. We know there's a lot of sickness uh, going around, and so we rebuke that in Jesus' name, but we're glad that you're home and not spreading it here with us, and we believe that the Lord's going to heal you. You'll be back here next Sunday worshiping with us, but we welcome you today. And then last but not least, all of our men and women serving in the military around the world, we honor you. We salute you today. We thank you for your sacrifice for our country. We're so glad that you're tuning in. In to South Metro this morning. Well, today begins our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and uh, man, I believe that God has uh, has divinely orchestrated this moment for us because I believe that there are all, there are things that only happen when we pray and when we fast, and I believe that God is going to do some amazing things, miraculous things in your life personally, but also in the life of our church. And so we're excited to kick off 21 days of prayer and fasting. Over the next 21 days, we're going to be gathering together in the mornings here at South Metro at 6 a.m. during the weekdays and at 8 a.m. on Saturday mornings. And we're going to come together, Pastor JC and the staff, we're going to lead together. And uh, we're going to have a time of worship, time of devotion, and then we're going to have a time of focused prayer where we're going to seek the Lord for what God is wanting to do in our lives and what God is wanting to do in the life of our church. I believe that God has greater days ahead of us than are behind us. And we believe that when we pray and when we fast, God hears us and God shows up in our midst. One of the amazing things that we have going on also during this time is that we're going to be joining together in Bible reading as well as, uh, as praying together. And so we're going to be reading through the book of John during this 21 days. There's 21 chapters in the book of John. And so we're going to be reading together. And we actually have a 21 days of prayer and reading guide here for you. You've got all of the scriptures listed on the back of this guide. These are available at the Next Steps counter. So immediately after the gathering today, you can stop by the Next Steps 
steps counter, you can pick up one of these prayer and reading guides so that you can join with us and, uh, and hopefully come out and, and join us on, uh, on the weekday mornings and then on Saturday morning for prayer and for fasting. And then last but not least, we, this Wednesday, we are kicking off 2019, our very first first Wednesday. Pastor JC is going to be preaching, and I know this. I talked to him this morning, talked to him yesterday, and I believe this. God has an amazing, dynamic word that Pastor JC is going to bring, and I believe that it's going to set the tone for 2019. So we invite you to come out on Wednesday night, 7 p.m., right here in the main sanctuary. We're going to come together. We're going to worship the Lord. We're going to hear a message from Pastor JC. If you have a student, a teenager, or you have children, they have first Wednesday gatherings going on for the society and for city kids as well. So you got a place for your kids to come, to connect, to grow in the Lord, but also for you to come and to be a part of what God is doing here at South Metro. Amen. Are you excited about what God is about to do here at South Metro this year? Well, it's, it's my privilege this morning to introduce to you uh, our guest speaker for the day. Uh, his name is Luke Lazan. He's a pastor, and, uh, and God is, has placed a special anointing, special call upon his life to deliver, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Luke is a graduate of Texas A&M University, and after graduating, Luke uh, moved to northwest Arkansas, where he was a part of a launch team, and he planted a church there in northwest Arkansas that is still thriving to this day. God blessed it, God's hand was upon it, and God is still moving there to this day. But God called Luke to begin traveling, to begin speaking, to use his gift all over the United States, and so God has begun to open doors for him to travel, to preach, and to speak. And then uh, some time ago, the Lord brought he uh, and his wife, Lindsay, here to this area to help lead a ministry known as The Alternative. And so they've been leading, uh, leading along with uh, Caleb Stanley and Austin Dennis and their team there, uh, a, mi a local ministry called The Alternative that's for youth and young adults, where God has been just doing some an ama uh, um, amazing things, where God has been touching hearts and lives of these students as they come together and as they worship the Lord. Luke is also a writer, and uh, this year, his first book, called Your Mess Matters actually launches in November of 2019. And so we encourage you to support him in that. Stop by. I'm sure he would love that if you would pre-purchase a copy of, uh, of his book, Your Mess Matters, uh, to bless him. And he is married uh, to his beautiful wife, uh, Lindsay. And they actually have been attending South Metro here recently in the last few months. And so we're just honored to have them here with us today. I believe that he has a word for us today. And I am so excited to welcome to the stage this morning Pastor Luke Lazan, would you welcome him this morning? Let him know that you love him. Amen. Love you, dude. Love you, bro. Well, it is amazing to be with you guys. I gotta, I gotta tell you something. Never been to heaven, um, but I think that this church comes pretty close. Uh, it's, it's truly an honor to be here and. When I say that, I'm sure a lot of people say that when they're the guest speaker at a church, but it's truly an honor and a privilege to be with you guys. I can't even begin to describe how excited I am about the assignment that God has me on to deliver this message to you today, but I felt like it'd be inappropriate if I didn't gloat on pastors JC and Kimberly really quickly. Is that okay if I do that? I just, I gotta do this. Um... This is a true story. I cannot make this up. The first time that my wife and I met JC, later on that evening when we were driving home, I said to her, um, 
do you think he's genuinely that nice and loving or do you think he's like low-key a serial killer? Because I feel like you're either that genuine or you got that much to hide. And it's pretty unbelievable to come across someone like Pastor JC. And I got to tell you, I have met a ton of pastors in my life. Some of them are incredible communicators. Some of them are incredible shepherds. Some of them are like extraordinarily creative or great family men, great fathers and husbands. But I got to tell you something, JC, and I know he's watching, is one of the only ones that is all of those and then some. So can we just give it up for him, just how incredible he is? And to Kimberly, you're absolutely the better half. There's no question about it. Uh, just the way that it rolls with husbands and wives. Thank you for your fierce spirit and for your sweet spirit as well. Just to be under their leadership and their teamwork. It's something, isn't it? It's amazing. And so we're thankful for them. And it's, uh, it's just such a blessing to be able to relieve him. He would not want me to say this. But I got to tell you, he has been working so hard. I don't know anyone that works as hard as JC. And so it's an honor to be able to come in for him. It's a tough job. We all, we all know what that's like to feel like you are being worked so hard. The good thing is that he loves it. He loves you guys. But I said, hey, you guys take this day off to start your year. Let's get 2019 rolling as best as we can. And the best way to do that is to have a healthy pastor to help lead us into that new season. And so can we just one more time give it up for them and just let them know how thankful we are for them? It's an honor, but we love you guys. I, uh, I don't want to get their head too big, though. So if we would, let's, let's go ahead and meet in the book of Luke. I want you to meet me in the gospel of Luke in the 42nd verse of the 8th chapter. And I'm a little long-winded, so I want to just jump into what God has for us today. I don't want to waste our time. And we're going to read Luke chapter 8, verses 40, uh, 42 through 48 together this morning. And as you're getting there in your Bibles, let me just go ahead and set the scene for us really quickly. Jesus has just been approached by a man named Jairus, and he has asked Jesus to come and heal his daughter because she is just moments from death. And so as Jesus is making his way through this crowd with his disciples, he is actually interrupted by a woman who touches him unexpectedly as he's moving through the crowd. And I think we got to recognize something, that as we're reading this story, right, this woman is in a dire situation herself. And I think one of the issues that we have as a church sometimes is that when we read the scriptural narratives, what we tend to do is go, yeah, I think I can relate to that. Like, they're struggling a little bit. I think, you know, I, can, I see that a little bit in my own life. But we can't just simply relate to this woman's story. This is our story. That she's in a dire situation. We've been in a dire situation. Before we met Christ, we were in a literal dire situation. And so that's what we're going to find out here in Luke chapter 8, verse 42. So I hope that you've made it there. In the event that you haven't, don't worry, I'm going to read. Y'all just follow along. But this is what God's word says. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? And when all denied it, Peter said, 
Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. I love Peter's sarcasm here, right? You got Jesus who's walking through this crowd and he's like, who touched me? And Peter's like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't know, Jesus. It could have been any of the thousands of people within an inch of us. Uh, you're God, why don't you tell us, right? But, you know, <laughs> that's, that's a tangent. So, um, but Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling. And falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Would you guys pray with me this morning before we jump into the message? Well, God, I just, I just can't thank you enough for this church. God, I just, I know that for... Lindsay and I, this place has been a place of, of healing. It's been a place where we've come to meet some people that we consider to be family. And Lord, I just pray that in this place, there are people right now that are coming out of things in 2018 that they still have not let go of in 2019 yet. And it's time for those things to go away in the name of Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that you do a supernatural work. Lord, don't let any of these words be mine, but be yours. Let every word be anointed in your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that everybody in here would find freedom from whatever it is that they're fighting, God, and that they would be desperate enough to come to you this morning in honesty, in boldness, in power to receive your grace and mercy in a way that they have not experienced in a long, long time. Lord, give us the faith to come to you honestly and with confidence. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, in 1839, Robert Smalls was born as a slave to the McKee family in Beaufort, South Carolina. And when Robert was growing up, the McKee family and he ended up moving to Charleston. And it was in Charleston that really Robert began to fall in love with the water. He began to become as familiar with the Charleston Bay as anybody else, despite his circumstances as a slave. And so he did what a lot of us do as he got older. He ended up finding a beautiful woman that he married who was also working as a hotel slave maid in, in the area. And so they got married and they had three beautiful children together, but like most slaves, Robert started to become terrified as his family grew because he was concerned that they were going to be sold separately, ripped apart, and that their family would be mercilessly taken from them. And so Robert decided that he would try to purchase his family's freedom. Now the problem was that every time he tried to purchase their freedom, he got denied. And so then on April the 12th, 1861, the Civil War began at Fort Sumter in the Charleston Bay, and Robert ended up getting a job on board the Planter, which was an old cotton steamboat turned into an armed Confederate supply ship. And so Robert worked in the shadows on this boat, just taking notes. He was looking for checkpoints and signals that were being used as they were making their way through the harbor. What is it that can be done so that we can go our way undetected? Because Robert was starting to devise his escape route towards freedom. And so he told the other enslaved crewmen on the boat what his plan was, and they knew it was dangerous, but they would rather fight for their freedom than die in slavery. And so on May the 12th, 1862, just about a year, a little over a year after the Civil War began at Fort Sumter, he, he 
took advantage of the officers on this boat going to sleep on shore, Robert put the captain's hat on, literally put the captain's hat on, and commandeered the ship with these enslaved crewmen. And so for several hours, he told them how to successfully navigate their way through five different checkpoints that he had studied meticulously so that they could make their way towards freedom. And the only time that they ended up stopping was to pick up Robert's family and a crew of other slaves that were in on the plan so that they too could find freedom. And as they were making their final stretch down towards the Union blockade where they knew they would be accepted, where they knew they would hit the shores of freedom, they slowly rose a white flag up the flagpole as a signal of surrender. Now, here's what's amazing. The ship that they had didn't simply supply the Union with a few more guns and ammunition. It wasn't just supplies. It gave them the Confederate shipping routes. It gave them all the different information about what it was that they were planning to do on the Confederate side of things. And so they were able to get all this information. Robert's story ended up going all the way up to President Abraham Lincoln, and Robert became the first African-American naval captain in history, captaining the same ship that he had used to get to freedom from his slavery. Now, if you're not impressed with his story yet, let me just tell you a few more things about this man's life as he was hanging on by a thread in his life before he commandeered this ship. After the war, Robert ended up going back to Beaufort, South Carolina, and he purchased his former slave owner's home, and in an act of unfathomable grace, some of the family of his old slave owners had fallen on hard times, and he took them into his home. If you're still not impressed, he was also elected to both the state senate and the house of representatives before his eventual death in 1915. What a life. But here's the thing. Some of us are going, that's a great story. Uh, What does that have to do with us in this room today? And the reason that I tell you that is because Robert was hanging on by a thread at this point in his life. His family was enslaved and he couldn't buy their freedom. But he saw the freedom available to him in the form of these ships as they were sailing throughout the harbor. And he reached out in faith and boldly touched freedom even though he had very little to hold on to for hope. The woman that we read about Jesus healing in Luke 8, she's been suffering through excruciating agony for 12 years. She's been hanging on by a thread. She's at the weakest point in her life, but she sees the freedom available to her as Christ is passing through, and she boldly reaches out in faith and experiences freedom. And the reason that I tell you that this morning is that some of you are here and you're in a similar position. You're hanging on by a thread. You've been in the shadows. You've been praying for freedom from pain. Some of you feel like you're a slave to a difficult situation in your life, to a particular sin in your life. Maybe last year was just a difficult year. Last year you lost someone. You felt like an exile. Maybe you're going through a health crisis yourself. You're facing affliction in some similar way. But whatever it is, you're in this place this morning and you're hanging on by a thread. And what I'd like to submit to you today as we move into all God has for us is that if you're hanging on by a thread, be encouraged because a thread is all you need. How many people in here know and can agree with me that when we reach the weakest point we're at in our life, we are near to our greatest source of power? 
Because here's, here's the thing. A lot of you that had a hard 2018 know exactly what it is that I'm talking about. A lot of you that have gone through difficult trials in your life feel the truth of what I'm saying in your bones. And so the question we got to ask ourselves this morning is how is it that when we're hanging on by a thread, when we've reached our weakest point in life, how is it that we grab hold of the power that we have available to us in Christ Jesus? Prayer. It's prayer. Let me tell you something. Can, can I be honest with you guys? I just, I got to do this. So when JC asked me, will you preach on prayer? Uh, I didn't want to. And here's the reason. Because I feel like prayer is an area where people tend to practice their self-righteousness before others more than any other place. So you will have people, right? Like we've all been to the small group or the something where someone gets up and, you know, someone's like, hey, does anyone like volunteer to pray for us? And some guy's like, I'll do it. I volunteer as tribute, right? And he comes up there and he goes, Lord, they say things publicly that they would never say privately, right? And it's the way they say it. Lord, we just thank you for uh, every blade of grass this morning and trees that are currently supplying us oxygen. Lord, you knit them together in Mother Earth's womb. They are greenfully and wonderfully made. We thank you for your bountiful grace, your everlasting mercy, and your gloriously unfailing love. You pursue the one after leaving the 99. Amen. Who's next? Like, it's just, it, it's like, what? Huh? And, or you have that person come up to you, and it's like, they really, they're like, hey, can you pray for me? And it's, it's not so much a prayer request as much as like a humble brag. You know what I mean? We've all been there with that person. They're like, hey, man, can you, um, could you just pray for me? It's been, it's been tough. I set a goal at the end of 2017, going into 2018. I wanted to make a million after taxes. I fell 12 grand short. And it's just like, I don't know, man. I've just been doubting God's faithfulness in my life after that. I just, I, that was my goal. Could you pray for me? And it's like, uh, sure, dude. And you look down. You're wearing the same Nike since 2015. I mean, you just, it, it. Or you have that girl come up and it's like, hey, ladies, uh, just, just really, could you pray for me? I've been uh, just praying for like this weight goal and I'm almost at like my optimal weight. And just, if you could pray that my six pack would be more visible next year than it was this year, that'd just be amazing. And it's like, Lord, we just pray for this hideous human and uh, pizza cravings over her life. We pray that excess water weight would enter her world. Like, I mean, you just, it, you're just like, what? And... I don't know about you guys, but my truest prayers are not beautiful and eloquent. They are ugly and they're honest. Because I don't care how I sound. I just want God to hear my heart. And so my thing to you guys is when we're coming to God, is that not what we want? And in our truest selves, do we not just want God to hear us? We want to be desperate for God. Because when I'm truly praying to God with everything I've got, when I say, God, listen to me, hear me, I need you, I'm pleading with God as much as I'm praying to God. I'm desperate for God. And that's what I want for us. That's what I want for you. To be desperate for God. To be desperate to hear him, for us to hear him, as well as for us to make sure that he is hearing us. And so here's the thing. Charles Spurgeon said this, prayer moves the arm that moves the world. 
And so as we're looking at this woman's situation, I want you to know something, that prayer doesn't just move the arm that moves the world. That arm that moves the world moves in your world. It moved in her world. And I want us to really examine how it is that that happens and that it happens when we really grab hold of prayer in our lives and pursue the Lord with persistent praise. And so here's what it says. You look at this woman's dire situation and it really is explained to us in all of its totality in verses 42 and 43. Go back there with me. It says, as Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. I don't know if you have a firm grasp on what was going down 12 years ago in life, but I felt like it would be something that we should probably do is to look at exactly what it is that was going on 12 years ago. If you want to know how long 12 years is, I got you. Here's what it says. These are just some fun facts I looked up for you. 12 years ago, our president was George W. Bush. That feels like it was eternity ago. 12 years ago, nobody in here had an iPhone. iPhone didn't exist. Didn't come out till June of 2007. The Departed won Best Picture. Solid movie. You want to know who had a big year in music in 2007? T-Pain, Akon, saw him in the mall the other day. If you're watching, what's up, Akon? Uh, n- no hate on my end, I'm just saying, like, it was a while ago. Uh, Daughtry, I don't even know who Daughtry is. Linkin Park, they all had big years in music. Nobody knew who Drake was and nobody knew what a selfie was. Those things didn't exist yet. Twelve years, twelve years, that's how long. She has been agonizing in prayer, hoping for peace in her life. And perhaps what's worse than the illness itself is the fact that under Jewish law, a discharge of blood rendered you ceremonially unclean. What's worse than that is that if you came into contact with that person, you too were considered unclean. And so not only was she an issue, but if you were around her, then you became an issue. And so that created a lot of isolation for this woman. So because her condition is chronic and because she's a Jew, she's not allowed to participate in any religious or social gatherings. She's not allowed in the temple. She's not allowed in the synagogues. And more than likely, her family has probably disowned her because she is constantly someone that you're not supposed to be around if you want to maintain your position as solid in Jewish cultural standing. And so she has got a real problem. She's in exile. She's in exile. And towards the end of verse 43, the proverbial nail in the coffin appears to seal the hopelessness of her circumstance. What does it say? It says that this woman could not be healed by anyone because she didn't have any money after spending it all on physicians. I'm sure this woman had an impossible time finding any kind of work with her illness. She didn't have a lot of money, but with the money that she did have, she was trying to find a cure. And she found out that's not really a thing. So you almost have to look at what the scripture doesn't say in order to understand what it does in fact say. And what it doesn't say is that she spent most of her living on physicians. It says she spent all of it. It doesn't say that there were a few remedies every now and then that gave her some soothing. It says she could not be healed by anyone. So not only has she been suffering for 12 years, she's broke. She spent her life savings on a cure, only to find out there isn't one. She's not allowed in the temple or the synagogues. Her family has disowned her, and nobody can heal her. That's where she's at. Where are you at? 
Because here's what happens next. She's heard about this Jesus. Come on, isn't that all of our story? This is where I was, and then I heard about this Jesus. And she's heard about this Jesus, and she believes in who he says he is. She's heard about the miracles. She's heard that he's the Messiah. And so before that final nail can be struck in her coffin, she says, I'm going to see him because I believe in faith that if I can just get near him, I'm at my weakest point, but I'm desperate to reach out to God. And if I can just get a thread on his cloak, that's going to be more than enough for me to find healing. She goes out to him because she's saying, God, hear my prayer. I will meet you there in faith. You know, a few years ago, I was suffering from a mysterious illness that took six months to not only diagnose, but then to find healing from. And I didn't have, I wasn't having any kind of discharge of blood, but I was having a discharge of just about everything else. If you want to use your imagination real quickly, we won't get into that. But it was a real issue. I lost 40 pounds quick. We didn't know what was going on. My family was like, do you, like, is it, is it cancer? What are we doing? I mean, I was having colonoscopies, endoscopies. If it was an oscopy, I was having it. I mean, anything. The doctors were just, I was like, whatever. I don't even know what they're doing to me right now. But they couldn't figure it out. And that was really the first time in my life where I got ugly and honest with God in my prayers, where I didn't come to him and dress my words up all beautifully or anything like that, but I came before the throne of grace boldly and with confidence and said, God, I am at my weakest point. And I need you to be at your strongest in my circumstance right now because I can do nothing and I am nothing without you. I need you to be everything to me in this moment in my life. And let me tell you something, he was. And it was through that pain that I was able to experience the power of God in my weakness when I reached out to him in prayer. If you are hanging on by a thread today, let me tell you something. If you're at your weakest point, you are in a great spot to start 2019. Because here's the thing, weakness gives us desperation, and desperation gives us determination, and we'll need that determination to persist in prayer into everything that God has for us as we start this new year. I got to tell you something, where you feel wounded at your weakest point, that's where the power of God enters you. Jesus told Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my power is made perfect in your weakness, not over it, not around it, not under it, but in your weakness, in your most difficult places, in your darkest fears, in your most painful places, at your weakest point. That's where God is in your unseen sufferings. And that's why Paul was able to say in Romans 8, 28, God is working all things together for the good of those who love you. Not just some things, but all things. Can I tell someone to start 2019 that God is not simply using the promotion, he uses the layoff. He's not just using the raise, he uses the bankruptcy. He doesn't just use the marriage, he uses the failed relationships. He doesn't just use the acceptance, he uses the rejection. He doesn't just use the health, he uses the illness. Look at what happens as we continue to read in verses 44 through 46. It says, The woman came up behind Jesus and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? And when all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I perceive that power has gone out from me. Anybody in here ever felt like God just passes you by on his way to work miracles in the lives of other people around you. 
Jesus is on his way to heal someone else's daughter when this woman interrupts him. So you, you see, she, she wasn't even the objective of the mission. The only reason we're reading about her is because she interrupted Jesus. Now that doesn't mean that Jesus wasn't on a mission to work in her life. It just means that she reached out in faith. And so I think a lot of us are content to just let our circumstances keep us from coming to God because we feel like we're a burden to God. We don't want to interrupt him. It's been 12 years of feeling this pain and this hopelessness. You felt like you're, own, you're on your own for a while now. You're used to God working in the lives of other people around you. I mean, in fact, you kind of expect that, right? Like God works in my sister's life and my aunt's life and my mom's life and my dad's life. He's working in my best friend's life who, like, I love but, like, I hate because she's always getting the blessing. Like, I don't, I don't get why this is happening. Everybody's blessed. It's like Oprah over here. You get a blessing. You get a blessing. Not you. You get a blessing. You. It's like, how'd you skip me? I was at the show. Like, and that's what it feels like. Let me tell you something, though. The only reason that Jesus was going to that man's house is because he invited the man to come into his life and to heal his daughter. He was desperate enough to ask Jesus into his life to come and heal his daughter. The only reason we're reading about this woman is because she reaches out and touches the fringe of Jesus' garment. Why? Not to interrupt him, but to invite the power of God in faith to do what nobody else could do, to bring her freedom from her illness and her isolation. God's deliverance is on the other side of your desperation today. What you see as an interruption, God sees as an invitation to intervene for your good and his glory. If you don't hear anything else, hear that from me this morning. What you see as an interruption, God sees as an invitation to intervene for your good and for his glory. And it's not you interrupting God. It's not. You're just walking in the promise of Hebrews 4.16 that you can confidently, come on somebody, confidently, Draw near to the throne of grace to receive the mercy, grace, and strength of God in your time of need. What does Jesus say in Matthew 7, 7 through 8? Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. Some of y'all are just standing at the door in 2019. Knock. Everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Don't give up when the blessing isn't immediate. The heavier the trial, the tighter you hold on. You keep persisting in prayer to God because God ain't done with you yet. Persistent prayer is what's going to bring that precious blessing that you've been praying on since 2007. God hears you. God hears you. But will you have the faith to hold on, to invite him into your situation, to approach him boldly and desperately and say, God, I'm at my weakest point that I've ever found myself in. I need you to do something serious in your strength right now. Jesus, I need you. You keep knocking to God this morning. He's coming in his time and in his way. It might not be the way that you thought it was going to be, but I'm telling you, he's got a reason for the wait. He's doing something that you can't even fathom right now, but you got to believe it in faith faith, you got to knock. You keep knocking. Can I encourage you with someone smarter than me? Charles Spurgeon said this. I know I already quoted him, but I got his book for Christmas. I'm just all over it right now. So just like, you know. But he said this, and this one just slapped me upside the head. He said, the longer the blessing is in coming, the richer it will be when it arrives. That which is gained... After a desperate tug. Come on, a desperate tug. Are you desperate for God? 
or an awful struggle is a full-weighted and precious blessing. The blessing, this is it right here. The blessing that costs us the most prayer will be worth the most. Y'all, when my wife and I first got married, there were all sorts of issues, but let me just tell you about one of them. Um, (laughs) We were living in an apartment that was just nasty. I mean, we were setting out spider traps, the whole, I I mean, I feel like, I feel like my grandfather, you know, I love that we lived in that terrible place because now I can say to my kids, when I was your age, I was sitting out there, me and my wife, you and your grandma, I mean, we were just like nothing, spider traps, we were walking a mile in the snow, like all that stuff, you know, you like appreciate it now that you've been through it, but at the time it was bad. And so we were living in this apartment, I had one request, that's it, I said, please, Give me a non-smoking apartment, all right? Like, just, that's, that's it, whatever. So you can imagine my shock when I opened the door on moving day, and it smelled like someone had just tried to recreate Woodstock the night before. And uh, so I went to them, and I said, hey, um, remember me, new pastor in town, uh, what happened to that agreed upon thing? You know what I mean? Like it's, it's still not good. So could you at least do something to get rid of the smell to the best of your ability? So they go in there and they try to do their thing and uh, they did a terrible job. So then I come back. At this point they hate me. They're never coming to my church. And I say, uh, can y'all paint? Because y'all aren't good at what you attempted to do. You know, like I love you just in Jesus' name. Could you, could you just help me out? And they said, no, they're annoyed with me at this point. We already painted. You can't paint either. Don't do it. And so I did what every good Christian man would do. I went to Home Depot with my brother, got 18 gallons of paint and painted that thing. And I'll tell you, uh, I paid dearly for my sins, though, for my lying. Um, I think I lost 10 to 15 years off my life from all the fumes in there with me and my brother. It was, just, it was just a mess. But the first night, my wife and I, after we had painted it, we got back in there, and I decided I'd go and take a shower. And so I go and take a shower, and, you know, I'm, I'm weird. Like, I don't know how y'all are, but, like, people do. Some people sing. Some people do these different things. I like to shut the door, and the steam's going everywhere, right? And I'm just, like, I'm praising, right? And as the steam is going, I then open the door and let it kind of dissipate. Everything starts to clear, and it looks like I'm in the middle of a horror movie as the steam goes away because I just see all around me brown streaks coming down the walls, And so reluctantly, I touch one and like smell it, and it's nicotine coming out of the walls, seeping through the paint job. Now, I don't tell you that so you can feel bad for me, but I appreciate it. I say that because as you are desperately praying for God to move in your circumstance, can I just tell you he's going to reveal what's hidden that needs to be seen for your good and his glory? God loves you too much to simply change your situation. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says that God's will for your life is your sanctification. A lot of our prayers, our desperate prayers that we think aren't being answered, here's the thing, they're taking a little bit longer than we, than we want them to take because God is working on more than we can see. He's keeping you in step with the Spirit rather than simply allowing you to live in the desires of your flesh as you make these low-key praises and asks of God. He wants to see you do something more. He wants to not only change your circumstance, He wants to change you. He wants to change you. And here's the beautiful thing about God. It's like any good marriage, right? He is committed to changing you. 
Look at verses 47 and 48. It says, And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Man, what? what? How many of y'all just want to hear Jesus say to you to start the year, Go in peace. Go in peace. There's something so beautiful about this story. You got to look at this woman's own self awareness. Self awareness is a scary thing. But you got to look at it. It says, when she saw she was not hidden, she came trembling. Think about this with me for a moment. This woman has been exiled, she doesn't have friends or family. Nobody has seen her. And now in this crowd, she's seen. People have on purpose, her family on purpose, has not looked at her for 12 years, and now she comes trembling because she knows, oh, oh I'm in this situation where I just, I reached out through like five people, I got a thread of the cloak, and the whole crowd is now dispersing, and as she's sitting there in the dust, she realizes Jesus is looking around, and she goes, I I'm not just seen by a spouse or a parent or a child, I am seen by the Son of God. Jesus Christ sees me. Some of y'all are doing something so detrimental to your walk, and it's that you're going into every year in every situation, some of y'all that are single, you want to be seen by a spouse that ain't going to fulfill all your needs. Some of you in here, you're trying to just be seen by your children, by different people in your life, by your boss. Let me tell you something. I got better news than what you've been looking for in 2018 and the years before. You are seen by Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He sees you. He sees you. Jesus knows who touched him. He's not, he's not asking so he can find out who it is. He's not like, does anybody, I just, I don't know. I wish there was like a sovereign omniscient being that could find out who it was. That would be great. Would it? Like, no, he knows who it is. He's asking because he wants to bring the nicotine of her circumstance out of her to the surface so that everybody can see. He took the illness right out of her that was plaguing her for these past 12 years, brought it to the surface so that others could know that she was immediately cleansed when she touched Jesus. She's not a dirty, disgusting daughter of her situation. She is a beloved daughter of the one true king who gave it all so that he could have all of her, all of her illness, all of her circumstances. That doesn't mean you're not going to go through difficult things in your life. Oh, you will go through difficult things in your life. He's just saying, I am greater. My grace is greater than whatever it is that you're going through. I'm greater. Jesus not only brings her out of the shadows for everybody to see, but he evangelistically uses her pain as a platform to proclaim the good news about who God is. And she must have crushed that little sermon she gave because it says that she started telling everybody, this is why I did it, this is what happened, this is what's going on. And he was like, you go in peace. That's what, you keep preaching. And as we're kind of getting set to close here, I just wanted to point something out to you. My favorite part of this passage is found in verse 44. I don't know if y'all caught this, but it says she touched the fringe of his garment. 
I, th- I think many of us live with the mindset, if we're honest, if we're honest, I think many of us live with the mindset that unless we can run up to Christ in power and, and grab hold of his cloak, just two full hands, then our faith is too little to attempt to reach out to him. And what I want to tell you is that this woman touched a thread on his cloak and found healing. She prayed for 12 years in her desperation for God to hear her. She confidently ran up to him, believing that if she could just get to him, then all of her pain would end. All she had to do was touch a fringe of his garment, and that was more than enough. Can I ask you this morning, are you desperate for God? Are you desperate for God? Do you know that you can boldly and confidently reach out to him in prayer? You don't have to hide anything. If you're angry with God, if you're disappointed with God, tell him. Tell him. It's not like he doesn't know. He knew who the woman was. He knows what you're thinking. Talk to him about it. Talk to him about it. When his kids cry, kick, and scream, he doesn't love them any less than you love your own kids when they cry, kick, and scream. We throw tantrums every now and then. It's okay. He's still tucking you in at night. Let me tell you something. We need to be desperate for the Lord. We need to be desperate for him to hear us in prayer. It's time to come home today and recognize that Jesus doesn't work around the messes in your life. He works in them, and he's greater than anything that you're facing today. Whatever it is you're going through, heartache, loneliness, I have no idea. Maybe you've wasted your life savings trying to fix your problems on the bottle, on drugs, on sex, I don't know. Maybe you haven't done that, but maybe you've wasted your time or other people's time. You constantly are so self-absorbed with your struggle that you're always using people's time to try and talk about it when it's, you're not going to the right person. It's not that your heart's not right. Hear me. It's talk to people. You do need people in your life, but you ultimately, when you come with people to talk about your struggle, you need to go immediately to the cross of Christ with that struggle. That's where you need to be. Maybe for some of you, there's a wound in your life, and that's it. You just haven't invited the right person in to inspect what's going on and intervene in your circumstance. And let me tell you something. I'm, I'm declaring this. I've been declaring it for two weeks since I knew I was going to be preaching today, that everything you're going through, all of that, that ends today. That's done today. Whatever your circumstance is, interruptions are often seen as inconveniences to us, but they are invitations to God. You invite God today in your desperation. You may be in a place where you have some things going on in your life. Can I just plead with you today? Don't wait till July, start in January. Don't, don't say, I'm going to start in 2020. No, you're going to start today. We're only a few days in. You're going to start today. Can I just encourage you? Pray with us at 6 in the morning. Oh, it's early. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Let me tell you something. You meet God in the morning. You watch him work through the rest of your day. You meet God in the morning. Jesus doesn't just work in the lives of people that have the strength to run up and grab hold of his cloak. If you're on your hands and knees today and you can just get a thread, you're in a good spot. You run to him even if your knees shake. If you're not sure you're going to be able to get to him, you crawl and you get a thread of that cloak. I'm telling you, I, have, I feel this so powerfully this morning that if you are hanging on by a thread, you are in the perfect spot at the weakest point in your life because a thread is all you need. That's all you need. Let's find freedom together in 2019. Don't, don't let this year be like last year. I don't want that for you. God has so much more for you than that. 
Someone in here needs to know that. Old ways and trends, they die today. You need to reach out in faith and find the freedom that you've been seeking in Christ. Can I just, can, can I pray for us? And, and I want to do something a little different. Can we just bow our heads and, and pray in prayer? And can I just ask in here, who, if, if you would just do this in faith, who needs freedom today? Could you just raise your hand if you need freedom from something today? Financially, emotionally, physically. I see you. I see you guys. Is there anyone else just in faith? There's something you're praying for. Hmm. Let me tell you something. We're going to pray. I don't know about you guys, but I believe that there's power in prayer. And we're going to pray in faith. Some of y'all have been thinking, I just, I don't have the strength to run up and get to Jesus. You just got to scrape the cloak. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this church. I thank you for Pastor JC and Kimberly. I thank you for South Metro. I thank you for the body in here. God, look at this place. Is this not what heaven looks like? God, I, I walk in here and there's so many people praying for certain things. And, and you know what? I, I just, I got to say, one of my answered prayers is to step into this church. And I see, I see heaven because I see a diverse church. I see, I see all people coming together under the name of Jesus and saying, that is what we're looking for. And so God, whatever everybody in here is praying for, I don't know what it is you do. It's not greater than your grace. God, do something supernatural in these people's lives. God, I pray that you free them from whatever it is that they're seeking. God, I pray that you would impress upon their hearts that they need to be praying here at 6 in the morning tomorrow, that they need to be seeking you, to be desperate for you. God, tell them to be honest with you. I don't know what it is. If they need to cry, cuss, scream, whatever, Lord, you know it. You know their heart. You know my heart. God, you're not just changing our circumstance. You're changing us. God, do a work in us. Holy Spirit, do something in our hearts that will leave us impacted forever, knowing that we left changed as a result of what happened at South Metro today. Chains are broken today in Jesus' name. There is healing today in Jesus' name. God, you are doing something supernatural in the name of Jesus for the glory of the Father. God, do what only you can do in this place. We love you, Jesus. We ask these things in your name. Amen.